Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hello from the future. This is Brandon, the host and creator of Monster Eight the Pilot. You're getting this odd introduction due to the fact that Brandon used to have music on the podcast, and uh, that day finally came, and I'm starting to get episodes struck down. So I'm going through and getting all the music remo- removed. So you're getting this fun introduction to go over any time I had music playing at the beginning of the show. Um, if I'm not able to cut around it, like sometimes I talk over the music, so that's why this is here. Uh, yeah, so if there are references to songs or I seem to be talking about a song, I'm like, hey, I've got these three songs later. You know, look in the description of what they were. They will be cut out. I am working on it. It will take some time. Hopefully I don't get the ban while working on this stuff because a lot of these episodes are in the archives. And getting them out of the archives takes like 12 hours. But other than that, enjoy the show. Like I said, it's, uh, you know, I kind of fucked up by not knowing... Uh, but not understanding what I was reading when saying that Spotify Anchor allowed music on the podcast. I misunderstood what that meant. Anyways, yeah, it sucks, but we all get through it together. Enjoy the episode. It's the best episode ever. This is, Whatever episode this is on, it's the best episode ever. So listen, like, share, subscribe, support, all the fun stuff. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Monster 8, the pilot, the podcast hosted by me, Brandon. It is Sunday, so it is time for three songs of the week and a re- weekend review. I guess we're also all still recovering from the uh, appearance of Mr. LL Cool K himself. Lauren Midnight Keller was on the other day. If you haven't checked out that episode, check it out now, man. It's a great episode. It's a great chat. He's such a horrible influence on me, let me tell you. I think he, it comes through in the episode how horrible of an influence that man is. <laughs> but I had a great time. I'm glad we... Uh, I think it was uh, everything I hoped for and more in terms of, like, the first kind of guest on the show. Um, yeah, as I said, good chat, good chat. And, like, we left a lot on the table, too, so there's definitely going to be a part two somewhere down the line, the second ballad of Midnight Keller. I'll have to come up with some other cool name or some other cool introduction because I don't know if I can... I can't do it again. I have to do something different next time. Oh, boy. Anyways, if you're tuning in, thank you so much. If you're tuning in for a first time, welcome. Second time, thank you for coming back. Oh, man. It is a Sunday. It's getting chilly. I'm liking it. I'm loving it. Getting chilly. Get to curl up at night underneath the bed. I accidentally fell asleep on the couch last night. I can't remember what I was watching. Why is the mic continuing to fall down? Whatever. Um, I guess I can just hold it. Whatever. Um... I can't remember what I was watching, but I fell asleep, and now my neck is jacked. <laughs> old. Being old, man. Being old. Opening song of the night is Matt Berry with So Low off Witch Hazel, which is a great record. I got that record uh, a couple weeks ago, and I just listened to it. Me and Lauren, after the show, we were just hanging out, you know, having the post-show party, and, uh, you know, I threw this on. It was, it was pretty fucking dope. It was a good record. It's one of those, like, uh, you know, celebrities have those music side projects. I remember, like, um... You know, like, I remember Colin Farrell made one after Crazy Heart. Um, I remember Hugh Lowry made, like, a blues record. And typically, like, this, when celebrities or actors or something like that, comedians do records, they usually feel like a vanity project, not so much like a true, like, you know, sounding a douche here, like, artistic expression or something like that. But, like, this one, completely different. The Matt Berry stuff's, like, legitimately just great music. It's, like, not just, like, uh, you don't have to be a fan of his, like, acting or comedy to really dig into it. It's, like, it's just good, kind of really cool throwback music. I don't know, I dig it. I'm digging it a lot. I'm gonna listen to more of it. For the love of God, microphone. Okay. I think I got it. 
<laughs> oh, shit. Where are we? We're at the very beginning of the show. Oh, yeah. Remember to like, share, subscribe, support. Um, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, Google, Apple, Anchor, who is also the sponsor of the podcast. So thank you for that. Uh, go there for your podcasting needs. Why is Devin texting me? Sentimental bullshit. <laughs> I love Devin. Devin is heaven. Uh, I don't actually have a lot of time, do I, today? I mean, I could always do this after work, but I don't really want to. I want to get this over with and get it out. Oh, let's jump into the goddamn sports talk. Liverpool is the most fucking pain-in-the-ass team I'm watching right now. <laughs> like, we played... We didn't play great for, like, 40 minutes against Ajax the other day, uh, but... You know, got a great goal from Mo, then got a great goal from Darwin, then another great goal from Harvey. Like, 3-0 win at Ajax. Like, good job. Especially the way Ajax came out playing. That's a good victory. Then we follow that up with, like, probably the most dreadful performance of the season. And it's been a season of dreadful performances. Um, 2-1 loss to Leeds at home. Virgil van Dijk's first uh, league loss at Anfield in his entire career. That's ridiculous. I think it was 70 games, 70 home games without a loss in the league. Like, Jesus. I don't know, man. I really don't know. It's been a lack of, uh, you know, reinforcing when needed. And now we're starting to really see, like, why, like, see the drop off from that. Like, why we're not continuing the success. Like, for the microphone's driving me up the goddamn wall. Up the fucking wall. Two seconds. Dead air. What the fuck, man? Okay. Okay. For the love of God. I want to scream. <laughs> Amateur hour. Um... <clears throat> Nah, but just like we haven't invested in the squad. The squad's really old now in terms of like most Premier League teams. I mean, our average age, I think, is like over, over 28, 29. I like how I say it's old whenever I'm older than that. But yeah, like I saw somebody say, oh, we need to keep. Um, the only players I would keep is Allison, Verge, Tiago, Mo, and Nunez. And he only wanted to keep Nunez because he just got here. And I was like, that's an old ass squad already. Like all of those guys are north of 30, except for Darwin. I don't know if we have to get some uh, injection of youth. Like, really got to... We got to take care of business in Champions League because I'm not sure if top four is coming. I don't know. I really don't know. But at the same time, good for Jesse Marsh. I kind of hope he does succeed at Leeds. I hate that. I don't know. The turnover of managers in the Premier League is kind of insane to me. Like, how many... uh, How quickly people are just discarded and said, nope, they're not good enough and moved on. Oh, you know, like Steven Gerrard just lost his job at Villa for, you know, I mean, at the same time, you, how do you expect to win if you have Tyrone Mings as a fucking, like, starting center back on your squad? That guy is so bad at it. Like, I know I wouldn't be any better, but he, he's so bad, it sometimes makes you think, like, maybe I could do better than that, because he is awful. And they just did some interview with him on The Athletic about, oh, losing captaincy. He's like, oh, he should never have been a captain to begin with, because he sucks. He's a horrible defender. And then uh, Emery came in yesterday for him and immediately lost 4-0. So, 
seemed like it might be a player problem over a manager problem. But, eh, good luck to Stevie. Hey, Columbus, the crew job's open. Crew job's open. That'd be fucking beautiful if Steven Gerrard comes to Columbus. I would, uh, oh, man. I got season tickets a couple weeks ago. I'd be at every single fucking game. Every single time they have a chance to meet the team, I'd be there to meet Stevie. I'm drinking Diet Pepsi way too early in the morning. Uh, but then Preston won yesterday. Jordan Story scored a goal in the 91st minute to win it over Middlesbrough. Uh, good win. Good win. Needed win. They hadn't been playing well again. And then Portsmouth dropped fucking points uh, again. It might be. They better get their shit together drop out of the playoff spots, man. I really don't want to deal with playoffs. It's going to be so fucking tense. Because, ugh. A whole season just wasted of trying to get back up into the championship if they go to the playoffs and lose. Oh, boy. Now nah, they got to get going. I think it's, it's Sheffield Wednesday. That's so why I couldn't remember a couple weeks ago. Is above us. It was Sheffield Wednesday and uh, Ipswich, right? Fuck, now I forgot the other team. <laughs> I think it was Ipswich. Damn. Oh, my neck is jacked. It is jacked. Oh, boys. Then the uh, World Series is going on, isn't it? Who gives a shit, right? Hibernian won. There's the other game I was thinking of. Hibernian won. I didn't see anything with Tranmere yesterday. I should have looked. Yeah, but Hibernian won. You know, sunshine on leaf, baby. There we go. You know, have it a little. You got a mixed bag. When you follow as many teams as I do now, it's always going to be a mixed bag. It's going to be very rare that all five teams I'm kind of really following now are going to win. Um, especially whenever I can't even think of what Tranmere did. Still early. I think the Hibernian stuff, it fucking drives me crazy. I ordered the Hibernian stuff and the Tramier stuff and, you know, previously the Portsmouth and the Preston North End, the kits. Excuse me. Um, and they make me have to sign for those packages, like, every time. Like, I don't have an option to, like, just pre-sign for it so I can just drop it off and not have to deal with it. But, nah, they, uh, goddamn microphone... For the love of God. Okay. Now I gotta stand up straight. Um, they make me sign for it. So the burning stuff showed up yesterday, but I was at work. So I gotta go pick it up tomorrow before I go to work or something. Or wait till Wednesday when I have my day off. But yeah, I'm like, it's a jersey, man. Like, seriously, do we really... I understand if it's like some big electronic thing, but it's a fucking jersey. Like... <laughs> You know, if somebody stole my Hibernian jersey, I'd find them because they'd be the only fucker in like Ohio probably who has one. So I don't know, man. Get my cool ass pins for my jacket. Oh, I'm so excited to put pins on the jacket, man. That should be about enough of the sports talk. I don't know. I don't really feel like talking about the sports. I know the World Series is happening. I think it's one one. Hopefully the Phillies win it because fuck the Astros. Um you know, I don't know. Fuck the Astros. I did see Nick Castellanos, I think, after game one, celebrating. Like, kind of pulling a shirt to show they won without, like, the... Whatever, the little buzzer that Jose Altuve had under his shirt when they won the World Series a couple years ago. Uh, I do like how somehow that narrative switched to where it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, I even kind of said something on the podcast, so like, every other... Like, a lot of other teams were doing it, but at the same time, it was like... Like, oh, they only used it for, like, four months. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, no, they didn't. It's just, like, Toronto. Toronto has, uh, it was definite, like, ten years ago. Like, how many players would go to Toronto and also their numbers would explode? And somebody was relaying fucking messages from the goddamn skyboxes or whatever the hell's at the, there's field, that hotel that's built into the stadium. 
Like, that was always a long rumor, and I'm like 99% sure it's fucking true. Because players who suck as bad as Jose Batista at baseball, all of a sudden hitting 50 home runs is, you know, it's a fucking joke. Fuck Jose Batista. Ugh. Whatever. Shut up about sports talk, Brandon. Had a good week watching shit. I watched some good shit this week. Having a good time. I watched, uh, on Hulu, a movie I hadn't seen for, I don't know how long. I watched 10 Things I Hate About You. And it's a really good movie. For all those, like, high school movies in the late, like, 2000s, stuff like that, like She's All That and all that other stuff, 10 Things I Hate About You is a legit good movie. Not, like, a fun movie for its time. Like she, it's like, she's all that. What's the other ones in that little time period? Who gives a shit? Um, fuck, why can't I remember any other ones? Don't they all star the same exact people? <laughs> uh, whatever movies they made fun of in uh, Not Another Teen Movie. Nah, but the 10 Things I Hate About You is, like, legit great. Like, Heath Ledger, it's weird. Like, he looks so much older than, I think he was, like, 19 in that movie. 18 or 19 in that movie. And, like, he looked like he was, like, 26, 27. Because they do that all the time where they get, like, some middle to late 20-year-old guy to play a high schooler. And that's what he looked like. But he was legit, like, he actually could have been in high school if he was dumb. He was, like, 19. A big dumb dumb. <laughs> um... No, but it was so much fun, and the cast is, like, great. Larry Miller as the father is fucking fantastic. David Crumholtz kind of steals all the scenes he's in. Um, JGL's in it, then... Shit. There was a couple people in the background. Oh, then Chill Mitchell, Daryl Chill Mitchell. Um, I always forgot that he was in that really bad motorcycle accident, like, not too long after that, because he was, like, getting in quite a few movies, you know, like Galaxy Quest, that, and there was something else he was in late 2000s, or late 90s. Uh, then he was in like a really bad motorcycle accident and was paralyzed, and he's only been in a few things since, you know. Uh, but geez, he's great as the fucking teacher. Like, he's sending uh, Julia Stiles, right? Shit. Yes, it's Julia Stiles, Brandon, but I have to double check. Yeah, Julia Stiles sends her to the uh, guidance counselor's office because she likes the assignment. And he's like, get out of my class. <laughs> And him always talking shit to uh, the Fabio character, whatever his fucking name was. Joey. Probably of those like uh, mid to late 90s Shakespeare adaptations, you did like Romeo and Juliet, Leo DiCaprio, you had Othello with Mackay Pfeiffer and Julia Stiles. And that like 10 Things I Hate About You is like the best one because it's Taming of the Shrew. Um, it's the best one. It's a really good movie. And I have like this weird memory that we went... In, like, elementary school, because that would have been 9, 10, so that's, like, 3rd or 4th grade. We went to the movie theater as a field trip to watch that movie. How the fuck did that happen, if that's true? Like, I had this, like, memory of that being the case. Like, I watched it in theaters in school? That doesn't make any fucking sense. I mean, it's a PG-13 movie. I mean, the whole... <laughs> there's so many jokes that I definitely wouldn't have gotten back then. Like, um, you have the guidance counselor writing an erotic novel. Um, so many, like, little jokes that just, I don't know. It's just, like, having the eyes on it now that I would have, I still don't understand why I have that memory. There's no way that the school signed off on taking a whole bunch of fourth graders to the movie theater to watch, a, you know, 10 Things I Hate About You. There's no way. But for some reason, that memory's, like, ingrained in my brain, man. I don't know, but watching that gave me a little kick of watching some Heath Ledger movies. I watched A Knight's Tale, which is so goddamn fun. Um, 
I hate like there's some people out there who like it's like oh you know the mu that they bitch about the soundtrack because they use a lot of modern songs like We Will Rock you know a whole bunch of other songs uh ACDC stuff like that I'm like they're doing the goddamn wave at the beginning of that movie who gives a shit about the soundtrack it's literally telling you at the very beginning this is a comedy we're going to be having some goofy fun with this movie and yet some people are like oh the you know it doesn't fit the time period neither does the goddamn wave. So, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. I think it's a fun movie to watch. I love the cast as well. I know I can talk about cast. Mark Addy. Um, you got who played Robert Baratheon. And then um, you have Alan Tudyk. And who was... Oh, I just talked about Alan Tudyk last week with Dylan Tucker. Um, and then... Oh, shit. Paul Bettany. Who's in the Marvel somewhere. <laughs> I don't know enough. <laughs> I don't know enough about the characters. He's the red guy, I think. Such a fun movie. Fun movie. Oh, Ruf, is it Rufus Sewell? Sewell? Yeah, Sewell? Rufus? I think it's right. He's been in a whole bunch of different things over the years. It's a fun movie to watch. And like I said, that whole joust and like, <laughs> like them doing the fucking wave cracks me up. <laughs> oh, shit. And then like, they have the whole, uh, like, Paul Bettany does the big introductions. And it's just a fun movie to watch. Then I watched Dab. Uh, Switch those around. I uh, watched The Brothers Grimm, Heath Ledger, and Matt Damon. Matt Damon was in some weird movies in like the mid 2000s. Movies that didn't fit him at all. You're like, oh, he he's in that? No, he's like in Jersey Girl for a second, but you know, him and Kevin Smith are friends, so I understand that one. But then he was in like uh, Stuck on You with Greg Kinnear, where they're conjoined twins. It was such a weird movie. It wasn't bad or anything. It was just like such a weird movie for Matt Damon to be in. Even at the time, I remember seeing him like, why is he in that? Because I guess I only had really felt like Matt Damon was a serious actor or whatever. Because, like, uh, you had, you know, at that point, like, I'm only really exposed to him, like, Saving Private Ryan and uh, Goodwill Hunting. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, but, like, it was a. Eh, movie was okay. I watched more Heath Ledger stuff. He had such a magnetism about him. It really was. Like, uh, even. When I watched, apparently, 10 Things I Hate About You in the theaters at 9 years old with the rest of my classmates, which, that cannot be a real memory, but it's it's in there. Um, he had such a man. He just had that, he had an it factor. Like, you know, and it's, it's one of the most tragic, like, uh, you know, not wasted potential, but like loss of potential, really. You know, the guy had insomnia really bad and ended up, you know, that's how he ends up dying or whatever. He was only 27, I think. Just, oof. Like, it's just, like, one of those, like, what would he have been in now? Like, now, like, what movies over the years would have been made that didn't get made because he would have been attached to them? Or what films would be different because he was in them instead of this guy? I don't know. The guy was a fucking, he was, he was magnetic. He had, he had a fucking it factor, for sure. It's one of those sad things whenever you see guys just waste their potentials and stuff like that. Or not, like I said, not waste, but, like, that, but... That potential goes unfulfilled, I guess. You know, some guys do it because, you know, they're lazy. Some guys do it because, you know, an early death or something like that. Yeah, it's a, it's like a tragic thing. You know, I liked Heath Ledger and everything. I've watched him, and I even liked, even though I didn't really care for the Brothers Graham, I liked him in it. Um, Matt Damon is so odd, though, in a medieval film. That's why the whole thing, I still haven't watched The Last Duel. Um, because Matt Damon and Ben Affleck just don't seem like guys who fit into a medieval film. So, I don't know. I still really want to watch it, but that I don't know if that 
they can disappear in those characters enough for me not to realize I'm watching them, you know? You know, it's like watching Samuel Jackson and stuff, or I'm trying to think. There's a couple other guys. Like, Samuel Jackson's one, and there's always another one I use as an example, but I can't remember. Where no matter what they do, in terms of a role, I don't ever feel like I'm watching someone other than them. And there's certain roles for certain people. I think a medieval film for, like, Ben Affleck, it's like I'm always watching Ben Affleck play a character. Because, you know, you got to believe these are actually certain people or characters or something like that than an actor playing them to really get a great performance, in my opinion. And, uh, like, yeah, Samuel Jackson's one where I always feel like it's Samuel Jackson playing characters. I don't know. I don't know much of anything. And I also went ahead and watched Bly Manor. I know I said that last week. It's a great first half of that show. I think the second half is really disjointed. I think there's good episodes, like the episode where they reveal what the Lady in the Lake is. The episode where uh, the... What was she? Is she a maid or just like a housekeeper as well? Where she's like kind of bouncing through time because she's a ghost or whatever. Um, is really cool, but it... It feels like the story just kind of really just gets bogged down in the second half of that show. And it's just not nearly as good. Probably C plus B minus. I think the performances are great. Um, I'm trying to think. And then, yeah, then there's that weird thing with, uh, you know, Danny. right? Yeah, Danny. The, uh, the babysitter. The au pair or whatever. She has that dead boyfriend following around everywhere. And then at one point she throws his glasses in there, but he's still standing there. He's like, oh, I guess it's me and you and me forever, or something like that. And then I don't think you see him after that. So I guess that's not the case that it's you and him forever, because I guess, I don't know. It was weird. Like, it kind of seemed like that was going to lead to more, and it just kind of goes away. <laughs> like, you know, there's no real true payoff. I guess it kind of sets up Danny seeing stuff, because she ends up seeing the Lady in the Lake the last episode everywhere. I don't know, but Henry Thomas is like the only performance I didn't really care for was Henry Thomas. I thought his like his to do the English accent, he had to really overact, and it was it's kind of distracting. Oh man, I need to finish this. And then I moved on to Midnight Mass. I watched a couple episodes, and goddamn, I think. I might be revising. I used to say I like uh, Haunting a Hill House more than uh, Midnight Mass. I think it's flipping. I f every time I watch it, there's just such an excitement of watching each episode. Even though I know it's happening and all that stuff, there's no like surprises or whatever. It's just so wonderfully written, wonderfully acted, wonderfully just presented. Everything is just pretty much perfect with Midnight Mass. Like it is shooting way up there. I know I talked to Chernobyl and Band of Brothers last week or the week before about perfection. Midnight Mass might be fucking perfect. It might really be. You know, all these people get mad about monologues. They're talking. That's not exciting. Oh, fuck yeah, it is when you're actually listening to the goddamn subject matter. It is fantastic. Maybe it's just part of me growing up Catholic and, like, really understanding everything that's going on here. Like, the guilt. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Catholic guilt. Blah. It's a thing. I don't know, man. The Psalms, all that, like the way they use it. Um, that whole um, what happens when we die scene between, um, is it Aaron? Aaron and Riley. I think it's in episode 
four is so beautiful. Like, oh shit, it's great. And then there's the whole where um, the uh, the priest kind of explains everything to Riley. Wonderful. Like I said, how much think later? I don't think he won Emmys or anything like that for it. And at the same time, who gives a shit about the Emmys? Maybe he does. I don't know. But he should have. Because he's phenomenal. Every scene, he is outstanding. It's frustrating when people aren't rewarded for being great, but they're just going to say, hey, weren't they in, like, uh, what What was it? Like, uh, Game of Thrones was nominated for an Emmy for their last season for the writing, which was just mind-blowingly horrendous for, like, anybody. Like, just how disconnect. Like, sometimes they just sleepwalk through those nomination processes. Um, that was, like, uh, Don't Look Up, that Leonardo DiCaprio film last year. That was very, very average. Like, a, probably one of Leo's worst films, like, ever. It might have been his worst film ever. Like, I'm not saying it was horrible. Like, it was alright. Like, a C plus, maybe. There were some funny moments. Um, but it was not great. And it got nominated for, like, fucking nine or eight, like, nine or ten, like, Oscars or whatever. Like, the movie was not good. It just wasn't very good. I understand the cast was great. I understand what it was about. It's about climate change, guys. How we're not focusing on this basically this massive asteroid that's coming at us to destroy us called climate change. I get it. I don't need the director screaming at me on Twitter to, you don't understand the movie, man. Yeah, I do, because it hits you over the goddamn head the entire time what the metaphor was. I don't know. I thought it was kind of a very average movie. And it getting so much just like award recognition is kind of like, what are you watching? They're not. That's what it was. It's just they assumed it's great because Leonardo DiCaprio was in it, and that's how it gets it. That's how the Academy kind of works, is that you kind of just base it off word of mouth or who's in something, and they say, okay, that's probably going to be good, and that sounds like stuff we would like, so let's just give that. I bet, you know, oh, that guy's a good editor. Let's make that, even though that movie's edited hor- horribly. Horribly. I pronounced horribly, horribly. Uh, and then I was listening to Red Letter Media, who's a YouTube channel, talks a lot of movies and stuff like that. Uh, Jay and Mike, and, and they always have some friends on Rich and stuff like that. A lot of fun. I like listening to them, and we usually align on movies a lot. Especially me and Jay. I think we rely on, like, a lot of what he picks out is, like, stuff I talk about. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Obviously, he's a little bit more... I think he went to film school, so he has a little bit more technical knowledge than me, so, like, I can just say, that's cool, or he can actually explain why it's cool. <laughs> um... No, but he was talking The Mist um, with the Stephen King movie with Thomas Jane, the underused Thomas Jane. It's so sad seeing Thomas Jane do, like, absolute red box direct-to-DVD bullshit anymore. Like, why can't you just do great stuff? <laughs> like, he, there's so many things he's really good in. Like, you know, like, he's wonderful in Boogie Nights. Like, he's that sleazy fucking drug dealer, and he's so great. He's great as himself in Arrested Development. Like, one of my favorite jokes in Arrested Development, because he has that character, um... He wants to play this gritty character, so he's got to do like this really family puff piece to get that made or whatever. So he's playing like this homeless dad or something like that, and he's doing the research, and Lindsay thinks he's actually homeless. Um, but one of the lines of the movie is like, I just want my kids back. And then I can't remember how far along, like farther in the series it is. But I think Michael says something like, I just want my kids back. I want my kid back. Talk about George Michael. And Henry Winkler's like, take it easy, Tom Jane. And 
I lose it every time. It's one of those jokes that you never catch the first, maybe even the second time. It's like the third or fourth time you rewatch Arrested Development. That's when that joke hits you. You're like, oh shit, I never got that reference, or I did not pick it up. Like, that's what I love about Arrested Development, is that every single time you watch it, there are new jokes for you to pick up and laugh at, and just mind-blowing. Those first three seasons are just mind-blowing. First two seasons, first, the you could tell the third season, they had to basically rush through a huge section of it, because they set up so much at the end of season two, and then season three, they immediately pay off all those. They immediately, like, okay... Nope. <laughs> so, like, you could tell they kind of had whatever their plans were, they got cut short, and they had to, like, basically rewrite the whole season. So there's a little kind of, not sloppiness, a little bit of disconnect in the early parts of season three for the rest of the show. Uh, but, man, it is... Take it easy, Tom Jane. <laughs> yeah, but I watched The Mist. Odd movie. Uh, I know Jay really liked it on Red Letter Media, but I was just... <laughs> I like 90% of it. I just, that ending is way too fucking bleak. And kind of muddles what the themes are of the movie, in my opinion. In my opinion. What do I know? But, yeah, like, if you've never seen it, I'm going to spoil the shit out of it. Um, Basically, there's this mist comes down from this government facility full of uh, extra-dimensional monsters. Uh, these people, like the townspeople, get stuck in the supermarket, and they can't get out. Eventually, Marcia Gay Harden, who's fucking fantastic, uh, becomes like this religious-type Jesus figure, and she's the Messiah who's going to save everybody from hell because everything she says is right, which is also an odd part of the film, is that she, like, you can kind of technically say she's, oh, you know, she gets off on technicalities, but she's like, oh, you know... They're gonna the the monsters are gonna attack us tonight, and they do. And then one of the bugs lands on her, and then doesn't sting her and flies off. And it's like, oh, you know, it spared her, God spared her, or whatever. Um, then she says, you know, then they sacrifice the fucking soldier or whatever. They throw him outside to the praying mantis. Um, it's like they're gonna leave us alone tonight, and sure, fucking enough, they do. They don't fucking attack him. I don't know, it's so weird. It's like, oh, if you go to the pharmacy, that, you know, the guy who's trying to save his brother from the burns, get the, it's like, you're going to die, son. And he does. I don't know. So it's like, it's like kind of weird. So it makes you think, then the ending is Tom Jane, Jeffrey DeMunn, um, oh, shoot. Holden, Laura Holden. Um, Tom Jane's kid and this older lady, they escape. And they escape the supermarket, they get in the truck, they drive until there's gas out, they hear, like, the creatures outside, so Tom Jane takes the gun, kills the other four. Like, you know, they all agree that he kills the other four, and then he goes to sacrifice himself, like, you know, takes himself out the car and wait for the monsters to get him. Then the military shows up, like, seconds after he kills everybody, and they would have been saved if they just would have made it one more minute. Like, you know, and it's a, it's out of nowhere, it's fucking gut-punching, but at the same time, I'm like, so were they actually the bad people? That's why they're, like, were they the bad characters? Were they the ones who deserve to be punished in the end for all this? Even though we've been rooting for them the whole time. It's just like, I don't know, just muddles, because the whole theme's about humanity, um, not falling for, uh, what is it? Kind of like those cult-like figures and stuff like that, a little bit, I don't know, how, how to explain that? Like, keeping your humanity, you know, str- like, coming together for a common good, almost, in a certain way. 
And then at the end, it turns out the people who were striving to do good for society or wanting everybody's best interest at heart fucking lose out really bad. <laughs> I don't know. And I thought I had a memory of like uh, when the trucks are driving by, there's a whole bunch of citizens that all the people from the you see all these people from the supermarket in the trucks. So all they had to do is just wait it out like one more day in the supermarket and they would have lived and been fine. And uh, that was not the case. There's uh, the woman from Carol, I think her name was, in Walking Dead. She has, She's like, I got to go home to my kids. I got to get home to my kids. So she walks out into the mist, and she survived and was fine because she's on the trucks at the end. That's the only one I saw. I was like, oh, okay. So like, at least I don't have like the supermarket people who are just fucking fine or whatever. It was weird. I don't know. Really good overall. The CGI was dated at the time, if I remember correctly. It's definitely pretty dated now. I did like the big monster at the end walking over the truck. That was pretty neat. Uh, I don't know. I think overall, it was a fine movie. Probably the weakest Darabont film, even though there's only like four of them that I have seen. I haven't seen The Majestic in a long time, so I'd have to rewatch that. But you have, uh, you know, Shawshank is pretty much perfection. The Green Mile gets a little long in the tooth, but it's a really good film. Um, the Mist is probably behind both of those, in my opinion. But it was a good film overall. I There's a black and white version. I wonder if I could watch that one if I'd enjoy it a lot more or something like that. Um, I need to watch that black and white version. I need to watch the Mad Max black and white version. Because the Mad Max, I fucking love the newest Mad Max with Mr. Hardy and uh, Charlize Theron. It's good shit, man. Good shit. Oh! My neck is jacked. It's not fun. It is not fun. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, I deleted my Twitter app yesterday. I finally got rid of it. I'm so fucking happy. I'm going to be so much more happy without that goddamn thing. And I think, I think the last straw is a uh, fucking douchebag, the Tesla guy fucking buying it and like, oh, we're welcome back, free speech. Shut the fuck up. You are so goddamn lame, pal. He is... I don't get this. There's certain people out there that have gotten such a following. I'm like, you would hate these guys if you met them in real life. That guy's a fucking nerd. Like, you know what I mean? He's just like, he's this guy who thinks he's super cool. And he's not. He's just like this really lame guy who just has money. That's the whole reason anybody gives a shit is because he has money. Like, you know, he says stupid shit all the time. We're going to have cities with millions of people by 2050 on Mars. Okay. What the, f- How? We don't even have anybody there now. That you, you don't even know the sustainability of any of that, you fucking idiot. God, he's so full of shit. And people are like, he's, just, uh, he's fighting for... Shut the fuck up. He's fighting for his bank account. And then there's that other, the dweeb, the uh, the guy on the the right. What's his fucking name? The, the one who talks really fast. He talks faster than I do. Like, I don't condone bullying at all, you know? The only person I said I ever talked about bullying was that one pedophile kid from high school. Um, but... Listen to this guy talk. I just want to slap the books out of his hand and say, Shut up, nerd. What's his fucking name? Whatever, the dweeb. You, you should know exactly who I'm talking about when I say the dweeb. He thinks he's a fucking, like, guy's guy because he smokes cigars or some shit. Goes on Joe Rogan or whatever. <laughs> he's just a fucking nerd and dweeb. You would never listen to him. The only reason you do is because somebody shared it on Facebook. It's like, oh, this guy must be pretty smart. Uh, he, got, he has his own TV show, guys. Well, fuck. Or he has his own, like, podcast or show. Guess what? I did. It's simple. As long as you use Anchor. What a fucking plug that was. Way to go, Brandon. 
<laughs> nah, the guy's whatever. He's a fucking loser, dweeb. He's like a failed Hollywood writer or something like that. What the fuck is his name? Who gives a shit? Maybe there's a reason I can't remember his fucking name. I don't. I don't remember the names of losers. <laughs> oh, nah. Whatever, man. What was I talking about? Yeah, but I got rid of the Twitter. It's just, it's, it's, it's a shithole, man. It's just a shithole. A whole bunch of people reacting to nothing. Uh, let's see what else is going on, Brandon. I was like, that was going back to the Lauren conversation a little bit. I know we left a lot on the table. I talked quite a bit about sobriety there again. You know, kind of us dealing with our own things and problems. Um, I've kind of noticed in the past couple weeks, I have not talked about it as much. I think I've had a little bit of disconnect. I don't know whether it's just kind of, um, right now we're just in a little bit of a holding pattern with the show, with the podcast, and kind of as we move towards new things, because I'm writing so much more now, or at least working through a lot of different ideas. Uh, I think I talked about the new one, the whole Requiem for the Game, where I talk about the death of baseball, at least for me, and where that can go. Um, yeah, I feel like I've disconnected a little bit from what the podcast originally was. Which is a lot about me dealing with my own shit. And, um, <laughs> uh, I want to get back to that a little bit. I know, uh, sobriety has been fucking really key for me for a long time. Now, we're well over two years. Where are we at? Days wise. Days since calculator. Oh, it's always August 27th. Today, 794, we're coming up on 800 days, over 68 million seconds of sobriety, what a cool fucking guy I am, I know I talked about it more with my therapist the other day, like a little bit of the disconnect I've had with it on the show and stuff like that, and um, she's always telling me I need to always take steps back and kind of assess the good things, or assess where I'm at, or assess the progress, Um, because I, you know, could trap myself within like certain ideas so much that I kind of forget how far you got to go for certain things, or you kind of forget the journey because you're so far into the journey or whatever. I don't even know how what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, yeah, so I've been trying to take a little bit more of a step back and kind of reassess and everything and kind of move forward. I'm not going to do too much today, but I know uh, you know a big part of it's uh, in my especially my late thirties or late twenties. <laughs> gave myself ten years. Um, when I was really, like, losing it mentally for a while, um, I was having these massive, like, when I was having big panic attacks, I thought literally I was going, I was turning into my dad, like, in terms of, um, he would have really bad panic attacks, and he would forget everything, and he was forgetting everything all the time, and I was driving him off the wall, and he was saying shit, like, you know, he was talking about throwing himself in front of trucks, or something like that, like, killing himself, we'd take him to the hospital, and then he would, like, fucking flip out when the uh, doctor would ask him about suicide, and he was like, that's against my religion, pal, and I was like, just fucking going at the doctor for even suggesting it was an option, I was like, that's the whole reason why we're here, man, we're literally here because you said this stuff, and he acted like he never said it, or just doesn't remember that he said it, I don't even know, you know, I don't know, as much as dementia has affected my life, I feel like I should know way more about how it all works, operates, and what to, like, not so much what to expect, but all that shit, um, but I had the fucking... This is a little bit more of a funny moment. At work, I had to uh, build a whole bunch of fucking stuff. And I had a, I had a moment that was straight out of my dad. <laughs> it was... Because, uh, like, the moment I realized my dad was really getting bad 
was uh, my old Grand Prix. Uh, we had to replace, I think, the rotors, if I'm thinking correctly. And uh, he's doing it because that's what he, you know, he's a mechanic most of his life. Um, and he went to put it back on, and he fucked the whole thing up. Like, he put it on backwards, or he messed it all up. And I'm driving, and I get to, like, the school, and I literally can't, like, back up a certain way. If I'm, like, backing up and turning, like, pulling in, like, right, if I'm, like, moving the wheel to the right clockwise, like, I'd get to a certain point, and my car literally wouldn't go any farther. Like, it would just go, you just hear a big lurch or something like that. I'm like, what the fuck? And get home, and Nate looks at it, and he's just like, it's all backwards. Like, he put it on all backwards. Um, so it was like, you know, he kind of knew what he was doing, but he everything was flipped in his mind. It's weird. And I sometimes have that where I go to reach for something with my left hand, all of a sudden I realize my right hand's going out or something like that. Like, you know, like, wires are crossed sometimes. And then, like, you know, it just kept getting worse and worse. Eventually I became Tom every time. <laughs> He'd see me, I became Tom, which is always funny, because Tom's about a foot taller than me. <laughs> no, but I'm at work, and I'm building some stuff, and there's, like, the, you know, screws and stuff like that, and I get them out, I put them down, and then I go to grab them when I need them, and I cannot find them. I cannot find them. I'm like, what the fuck did I do with them? And I'm like, I haven't left this area. Like, you know, it's it's got to be in this, like, basically this 10-foot area, and I look for an hour. And a whole hour. Like, I'm not joking an hour trying to find these. Like, I literally had to walk away and do other stuff for a little bit because I got so fucking frustrated that I could not find the tools I needed. And then I'm like, look, working, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. We'll move on to a different part of this. We'll come back to this because those pieces are here somewhere. I will find them at some point. So I start working on the other part of the, uh, it was like a table and chair. So I'm putting the table together and I go to move something. And. In front of my face, the entire fucking time I'd been looking was the tools I needed to put together the stool. Like, they were right in front of my face. It was just, I was looking for, like, uh, it was like a bright orange. But I had it flipped over where it's like the cardboard side, and it kind of blended in with the blanket, but it nearly didn't. I should have really seen it immediately, but man, like, I did not. It took me over an hour, and, like, the whole time, like, somebody's coming up, and I'm just like... <laughs> I have a thing of talking to inanimate objects like a crazy person sometimes, but I'm looking at the tools. I'm just like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Because <laughs> I found them. I was so mad. I'm like, they were really, literally in front of my face the entire time. I mean, I mean, ugh, it, it was mind-blowing. It was right beside where, you know, I had the stool, like the, the pieces came attached to the stool, like the seat. And then, like, I pulled them out, and I put them right beside the stool. Like, it was right beside it. It wasn't like it was covered or anything like that. They were literally right there. And, uh, it was <laughs> just one of those moments. I'm, like, in the middle of it, like, at the half-hour mark where I still can't find them, and I'm just, like, going crazy. I'm like, I'm going to commit myself, man. I'm losing it. <laughs> like, it was insane. I don't know, man. It's it's a wild fucking thing sometimes. Uh, hopefully, I I don't know. I don't know where they're at scientifically anymore about, like, uh, cures or prevention or whatever. And they say, eat salmon. But they say, eat salmon for fucking everything, you know? <laughs> like, oh, you don't want cancer? Eat salmon. Uh, you know, that's they, they say salmon for everything. So I don't fucking know anything, man. I should look into it more. Maybe I'll do that research. I don't know. But I'm still writing more, which is cool. Um, working on, like I said... I think the one I'm really kind of focused on is this is middle-aged, uh, not middle-aged, middle-age. Um, I think that one could be a lot of fun. I think that one's the one that's also going to take the most work in terms of making it into a fun 
thing. I said, I think the idea is like three episodes is the current idea. Um, who knows? Like I said, I may get done with it, not like it, and say, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. You know, I don't know. I haven't decided anything yet. I don't know I'm working on it, which is cool, because like I said, I haven't really worked on writing stuff for quite a while. Um, outside of like working on music here or there, which I am, um, I'm, I got another half written song done. So, you know, what, what a guy I am. If it gets past that, I'll blow my goddamn mind. <laughs> and then, uh, a cool thing I had, like I said, I had Justin over the other day running sound for us on the podcast. Um, he's, uh, man, it was, it was cool. It's always good to see Justin. Good to see J-Bell. We are working on something, me and him. We are working on something. Uh, not sure how far we are away from it. I know I kicked it over to him the other day. I said, hey, because right now him and Maddie are looking for a home up here in Columbus as uh, they move back from North Carolina. Um, he said, you know, once we get that, then we can do this. Or, you know, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil that. I'll spoil any movie or TV show. No fucking problem. But I'm not going to spoil this for you. Uh, he's like, once I get this done, then we can start doing it. And I just threw it out. I was like, hey, man, we can use my house for it. It's not like it's, it's not a big deal to me to use my place until you get set up. He's like, you know, I thought about that, so yeah, I don't know when it's humming, or when it's humming, when it's coming, but, you know, it's it might be on its way. You never know, man. You never know. It could be a lot of fun. I think the idea is really cool. I'm being pretty vague because I just don't want to spoil anything for you. It's 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 got some cool stuff in the works. Yeah! Oh. What was I talking about before that? Who cares? All right, let's jump into the songs of the week. Three songs of the week. Oh, man. There's a song that's been kind of on the cusp of being on the Songs of the Week for probably a month now, and it finally just hit me. Uh, I'm like, it's got to go on. Because one, I just randomly thought about it. It's a song from 1970. The uh, record's called Climbing by the band Mountain. Mountain Climbing. Ah, that's pretty goddamn clever. It's Mississippi Queen. It's one of the heaviest-ass guitar riffs. It is so fucking cool. It's just a great fucking jam. It's a jam of jams, man. I remember when me, Aaron, and Celia went to Memphis like four or five years ago. uh, Every time one of us would say Mississippi River or Mississippi or anything like that, uh, me and Aaron would go and sing in Mississippi Queen. <laughs> I don't know why. It just popped in our heads, and it was like, for the whole weekend, we just kept saying, Mississippi Queen! <laughs> it was a good time. Uh, this is Mississippi Queen by Mountain. And what a fucking jam. It is a jam of jams, man. Like, just the guitar lick. Like, uh, it's just one of those 70s fucking, like, not like a boogie song, man, but it's just like such a rock song. I know a lot of this stuff's like considered like like metal almost anymore, which is weird. I don't know. I guess like when I was growing up, metal was such like, you know, thrashing and shit like that, that like there's a little disconnect from like Black Sabbath being a metal band and stuff like that for me. But yeah, I'm like, man, this is just dope shit. The guitars. I think lyrically it's a lot of a fun song about, you know, some Mississippi queen, a Cajun lady, you know. Rest of them dudes getting their kicks, buddy. I was busy getting mine. Beg your pardon, I was getting mine. Mm, it's a good song. It's a great song. It's a wonderful song. Uh, <laughs> Mississippi Queen. Oh, I'm gonna be singing that at work today. It's gonna be driving people up the goddamn wall. She moved better on wine, man. 
No, she was a dancer. She moved better on wine. <laughs> I don't know. Mountain's one of those bands I've never really delved into outside of Mississippi Queen. You know, we'd play on uh, 107.5 The Breeze and Bill Boyer's class way back in the day. Uh, I'm going to talk about Bill Boyer one day. I might try to see if my buddy Eric will come on the show, if, if that could ever work out for him. I don't know. I don't think he ever leaves his fucking house in Scioto County. But maybe I can get him on here and we can talk some old Bill Boyer, you know, right? Cheer. <laughs> It'd be a good time. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, so song number one of the week was Mississippi Queen by Mountain of 1970s Climbing. So, song number two, guys. Um, I, I mentioned this song last week. Um, it's the, basically the closing track off of, um, Haunting a Hill House, Gregory Allen Isakoff. It is If I Go, I'm Going. And it was such a perfect song for the guy, kind of the end of that record, or end of that, uh, oh shit, it, for the end of the show, kind of like kind of wrapping it all up. Lyrically, it works really well, um, and thematically. And also, it's just like a really sweet song. It kind of, the way they use it in the show interludes really well with what you're seeing on screen. Um, yeah, but this is If I Go, I'm Going by Gregory Allen Isakoff. What is this off of? I always forget. This Empty Northern Hemisphere from 2009. All right, so here we go. Beautiful song. Very subtle song. I think the imagery is really cool. You know, if I'm going, I'm going on fire. You know? It's just... Like I said, it wrapped up that show really well. I think, you know, kind of the subject matter of a house and stuff like that, and kind of uh, burning her down, stuff like that, which uh, I know Luke tries, but it doesn't work. But, you know, kind of the holding of memories and holding of uh, pain, holding of all these other high emotions that, you know, it's really difficult to work through or kind of let go. Um, it's a really, really great song. Like I said, I'm really glad Mike Flanagan chose it because, you know, I I don't know anything about Gregory Allen. It's called besides this song. It's a great song. Maybe we should listen to him a little bit more. I don't know anything, you know? Maybe I, I, I have so much shit to do that I probably won't. Sorry, Gregory Allen Isakoff. <laughs> but I'm probably not going to listen to you anymore. But I'm, you never know. You never know. But like I said, I really love this song. I know how to play it a little bit. Maybe one of these days you'll hear old Brandon uh, bust out the guitar and sing a song. Shut up. <laughs> oh, song number two of the week. If I Go, I'm Going by Gregory Allen Isakoff off the empty Northern Hemisphere. From 2009, also the ending of Haunting a Hill House. So let's jump into song number three of the week. And I spoiled it a little bit on Wednesday when I was talking with uh, old LL Cool K, Mr. Killer from Lucas Villa. Uh, it is The Flies, which is, what, is this 1998 or is it 1997? I think it's... Uh, Let's see, 1998, Holiday Man. It's a song probably a lot of you have heard. It's like the One Fly song that was huge in the late 90s. Um, it's Got You Where I Want You. It's such a cool fucking track. Nice move, nice groove, nice little... I know, it's just... It's it's a fucking jam from the late 90s, man. There's so many of those bands from like the 90s that just had like one fucking great song out of nowhere, and then you never heard of them again. Like, uh, it's it's... It's pretty cool. I, I fucking love the 90s music. Also, because it's so wide-ranging, too. Like, goddamn swing music was cool for a hot second. You had Ska doing its fucking thing. You had the hardcore rap. You still had, like, a little bit of hair metal at the very beginning. Then you had, like, for Nirvana changing the whole goddamn game. Guns N' Roses still doing shit. Like, uh, then you had kind of the big. Then you had Who Let the Dogs Out by Baja, man. You know? It's a, it's a crazy fucking time to be alive. <laughs> 
<laughs> he had all the boy bands. Uh, he had more of that California punk scene, like Blink-182, Offsprings, stuff like that. He had East Coast versus West Coast rap. I, it was a wild time to grow up in terms of like uh, influences and stuff like that. Maybe that's where I why it has such a wide ranging idea for like what's great music, and not like kind of tied into certain things. I mean, then you also got to think about fucking like country music was great. You know, the mid '90s, especially like female power country, dude. It was the the shits, man. It was the best. Jody Messina, Martina McBride, get that, put that shit in my veins, bro. Not sure why I'm talking about Martina McBride. This is The Flies. Got you where I want you off holiday, man. 1998. God damn, I love that song. Love that song. Like a top 20 song all time there for me. Like a great jam. Me and Dave would fucking just play that song probably four or five times a night with Steins back in the day when I was just a drunk asshole all the time. So many cool little lines. I don't know. It's got such a nice little... I don't know, there's such a cool little emotion behind that. It's like you know, meeting a girl at a bar. You know, tell me your name, I'm dying here, man. Tell me your sign, I'm dying here, too. Like, oh, yeah. Did you know that I can dance? Could we talk for a while? Smooth. <laughs> I think you're smart, you sweet thing. Tell me your name, I'm dying here. What a fucking jam. Like I said, it's a very much a late 90s song. Like you said, it has the weird kind of Rastafarian rap in the middle of it for some goddamn reason, but I don't know. I like it a lot. <laughs> and it has a cool little bass out there. Like I said, there's a nice little subtlety to the mood of the whole song. Um, it's just it's a great fucking jam. Got you where I want you. Off of I Forgot the Name of the Record. Holiday Man. Holiday Man from 1998. Uh, I had to get this record. Uh, I think Dave said it's actually a pretty good record overall. I don't know. Never listened to the whole fucking thing. Because Got You Where I Want You. Want you listen to it. It's song number two on the record. So maybe I've listened to the first song a couple times. But you get Got You Where I Want You. You just want to put it back on again. I kind of want to replay it. But we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Uh, it's a great song. Great song. Good for the flies to have that one fucking jam. I have a whole bunch of half-written jams, man. But I just can't put one together. Nothing like... Got you where I want you, though. What a great fucking song. Uh, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that's been my time for the day. Sunday, three songs of the week. We've had a little bit of sports talk. We had some life talk. We had movies and TV shows. We've had it all. And I'm glad that you joined me for it. I don't know what the fuck we're talking about anymore. It's the end of the show. It's chaos time. <laughs> I will be back next Sunday with three more songs. I'll be back with the updates on life. Maybe I'll have updates on the writing of stuff. Maybe I'll have some updates about other things in general. Maybe I'll win the lottery or something this week. And I'll be like, hey, I'm out of the podcast game into the buying the Twitter game like other douchebags. <laughs> I still don't remember the other dweeb's name. Um, yeah, if you like what you heard, spread the good word. Stitcher, Amazon, Radio Public, Google, Apple, Spotify, and Anchor. Anchor sponsoring the episode. Thank you for that. Um, if you have questions, let me know. If you have answers, let me know. If you want to be a guest, let me know. As you heard, it's a fun time. Lots of laughs, lots of good times. Um, that poblano pepper fucking cream cheese story. I had 100% forgot all about that, and now it's burning my brain, and uh, I fucking, I cannot stop laughing about it. I'll randomly think of it and just crack up. I am a funny guy. I'm never going to explain on the podcast what it is. Use your imagination. Think of the worst thing possible, and that's what it is. How about that? That's what it is. It's the worst thing you could ever imagine somebody saying about something. How about this? Everybody was eating them. I say what I think it is, what I say what it looks like, and then nobody ate them afterwards. That's 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 the level we're at here. I won't ever say it, um, but it's 
it's it's it was pretty it was it was pretty funny. How about that? I was gonna say grotesque, but it was hilarious. I'm a funny guy. Uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, like I said, like, share, subscribe, support on Anchor. Follow me on Instagram at Monster Period Eight Period The Period Pilot, and Facebook now. I guess. I guess Twitter. I might. I probably still have a Twitter page. It was Brandon M A T P. Um, but. I'm not on there anymore, so fuck it. Uh, whatever. Where are we at? At the end of the show, that's where we're at. Am I missing anything? I don't think so. So I guess I'll see you later. Uh, you know, stay positive, get better. Thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding. Peace out, baby doll. <laughs>